Today's guest is Jake Carls, a partner of Midday Squares, a brand that is completely disrupting the chocolate industry, a industry that has been around for obviously ages with brands like Mars and Hershey's. Midday Squares is a mainly retail-focused company, but we're going to get into how they are very much a founder-led brand. Three partners, family business, actually. They're doing some unique things with influencers. If you guys are trying to expand into retail or currently over-index and majority of your revenue is coming from retail, theirs is 70-30, retail versus D2C. We get into exactly how they're leveraging influencer marketing for midday squares, but also how them themselves are the influencers for a lot of their brand, how they are revealing the inside and underneath the hood of their business to their customers, to their fans, and they've created an amazing brand around their storytelling, which makes it so much easier to invite influencers into that story. So super excited for you guys to listen into this one. I think it's very different from previous episodes. So with that said, let's jump in. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode of the Influence Marketing Blueprint. I am in the pilot seat today, as always, but I'm missing my co-pilot, Taylor. Uh, he is out doing bigger and better things. But I get to talk to an amazing guest here. I'm excited to get into the weeds of their business, what they're doing on the influencer front. This guest I'm about to introduce, his name is Jake Carls. He runs a family business, Midday Squares, CPG brand, completely disrupting the chocolate industry. Jake, what's up, man? Oh, dude, Cody, what's cooking, my man? Yeah, fired up. I live in Montreal, Canada, and it's actually warm. I'm in shorts and basically no shirt under my my little jacket here. So I'm fired up. Sun's out. The small things in life that you got to celebrate. So for those listening, when I say disrupting, in 2019, Midday Squares sold their products in zero U.S. stores. And by 2022, they were in 2,500 U.S. stores. Is that correct? So I think we're at about 3,000 stores now because we don't want more. Right now, our largest retailer is Target. They're great partners of ours. We're absolutely crushing it. One of our SKUs is actually number one in the entire set um, in terms of velocity. So units per store per week. So that means the amount of sales we're actually doing in terms of volume. We also sell like Whole Foods, Sprouts, um, you know, Wegmans, Fresh Market, some great retailers. And we'll be continuing to grow our retail outlets in the US over the next two, three years. You guys are also D2C. What's the kind of split? It seems like it's an overemphasis more on retail than D2C, but what percentage of your business is D2C? Yeah, dude, 70% of our business is retail, 30% is D2C, and we're going to keep it at that, maybe 75, 25 at scale, like at a greater scale, Mm -hmm. but we'll always have that D2C component. It allows us to have this like freedom to play a game, you know, with our online presence. And it also gives our loyal base, you know, a zone to get some good pricing and loyalty. I think it's more for loyalty and convenience. So give the listeners an idea of size of your business and your revenue wise, what you guys have done. I mean, I already kind of show the trajectory of your retail integration, but um, yeah, past to present day. Yeah, dude. So when we started in August, 2018, we were only able to make 80 bars per day. Me, my sister, my brother-in-law, chocolate bars per day in our condo kitchen. We were making them in our condo kitchen. Then we ended up building a manufacturing plant out of necessity. And a lot of people in food and beverage companies don't do that. They co-manufacture. So they send it to a third party and they just do the sales and marketing. So we actually had to build out this chocolate factory here in Montreal because no co-man was able to make our products. So now we, we're proud to say we do about 70,000 bars per day on the line. This year, we'll close it. Our year ends in May. So May 31st, it will close at hopefully 16.5 million. And then jumping from May 23 to May 24, we're looking anywhere from 26 to 28 million of booked revenue. 
And yeah, our bars are $2.49. So it's a lot of volume that we're selling. Come and uh, yeah, dude, the goal is to continue to scale this company to be a modern day chocolate conglomerate. We're looking to look like recreate what Hershey's or Mars or Mondelez would look like if they kind of started today, you know, in terms of the better for you chocolate space and culturally relevant brands that relate to the consumer at a deeper level. That's what we're trying to do. So we're in this game for the long run, not for the short run. And yeah, my partners are my brother-in-law and sister. It's a whack relationship. We see a business <laughs> therapist once a week, uh, mandatory. And yeah, man, it's been a crazy journey. And we started, I remember our year one revenue was a million dollars. So we've come a long way. Come on. How has it been? I mean, this is just a curious question. Is like, I know I have a business partner. We're co-CEOs. I know how it is, but we're not even family. So now you have been the family dynamic where you're against your sister and brother-in-law. Do they ever team up and say, hey, we're married, two verse one. You better listen, Jake. Yeah, you know, they don't say it like that. They live together. They're talking about 24-7, so they don't realize that sometimes I'm still there, but they've done a great job as partners to try to avoid that at all costs, the bias, because there is a natural bias that will happen. Sure. But again, that's where therapy comes in. Like we have a business therapist we go to, you know, once a week and we open up these conversations, these harder conversations about topics like that. And we have a free flow conversation. But Again, being empathetic and self-aware as three individuals that, you know, that this could type of bias can happen is super important because um, otherwise people just don't see it. And guess what? It builds up animosity. It builds up tension. And then things just go boom and explode, right? So we actively work on our partnership because without it, the business wouldn't be where it is or it wouldn't be here today. It'd be out. I wish more and more people would take your advice. I'm a huge proponent of therapy, but also just business partners don't really think about it because I always compare it. It's another marriage. It's a marriage that like without all the benefits. <laughs> um, so sex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in a previous interview, I had read that you answered the question of the secret of your market penetration. You said two things, build out loud and build in public. Can you talk more a little bit about that? Yeah, and I think if anyone's going to go raise money or anyone needs to go build a community, a brand, let's call it a brand today, you need to tell a great fucking story. Excuse my language. Storytelling is not a new thing, by the way. It dates back to as long as we have been humans. Like evolution yeah. is all about stories. So I just think that people have forgotten that storytelling needs to be an emotional connection, needs to add value, needs to create some sort of feeling. And a lot of corporate you know, companies or brands have focused less on the story and more on here's the features of my product, here's the benefits, here's how I'll make your day better, rather than let's emotionally get you intertwined into the business, part of the journey, or, you know, to be interested in the journey. And that's what we've done. We've built out loud. We've showed the good, the bad, the ugly from everything from milestones to breakdowns to our consumers, because we want them to see the authentic version of how we build this chocolate company, whether it succeeds or it fails, at least you'll see the entire journey. And what that does is it brings customers in. It allows mm -hmm. them to turn into fans and it allows investors to, for example, to see, oh, I like this company. I want to engage with them. I already know them. So it's not a cold email when you reach out. It's like, oh, I already know you guys. I love you guys. I think is the simple recipe. And I say simple with you know a grain of salt because it's not actually simple to execute on the work, but it's simple in the sense of, Tell a great story and build it out loud and it will give you a good chance and not a guaranteed chance, but a good chance at at least building a community and raising money if you need to raise money or get earned media or things like that. It all comes back to the story. And, you know, obviously you need a good product. So I'm not, we're not going to go over that today, but storytelling is what supplements that good product to scale really fast. Actually, my last guest on the podcast he was building out in public very actively on Twitter. And he was a startup recently in the past four months. And 
it seems to be like something that's catching on as opposed to just kind of like highlighting our successes, the Shopify dashboard screenshots, right? Yes. You know, or it's the, I live this perfect life on Instagram. So bravo to you guys showing the story. Did you guys always decide like from the beginning to be front and center? Because when we talk about influencers, right? Like you guys are living like a very founder led brand. Yeah, great question. So at the beginning, my pitch to my partners was very simple. I said, guys, the grocery store is old as nails. It's boring. It's all commodities and pricing as the reason why people buy it. Consumers aren't emotionally connected to the product they're buying. But yet in the cosmetic space, in the fashion space, you have consumers going because they're connected to brands. They love this brand so much that they're like proud to show them off. They're proud to tell them on social media. They're proud right. to buy them. So I said, there's this disconnect because food is such an intimate experience. It goes in your body. It should be so, it should be more than just the price and function of the product. It should be, I like this company so much. I want to keep supporting them. So I said to my partners, why don't we basically make ourselves the influencers from the ground up where we get people to become fans of ours? That way, when they become fans of ours individually or within the business, they will then want to support us. And the way they support us is either follow us on social, which allows us for more views and attention, or purchase our product. So we act like a band, like a boy band or a girl band, but instead of selling records, we sell <laughs> chocolate bars. And each of us are different. Like my sister's, you know, she built the manufacturing facility. She's very focused on execution. She likes to lead as a, a CEO. My brother-in-law is a software engineer and, you know, he has a nerdier perspective, which has his own fan base. And then I'm this energizer bunny, which is loud, wild, crazy, which builds an entire fan base on that kind of energy. So when you bring it all together, we actually get a lot more coverage back to the business than we would if we just relied on just influencers outside, right? So we use a ton of influencers on the outside, but we've built ourselves up to have our own fandom. So that creates a deeper connection. When you go to the grocery store, you feel like you're buying from a friend or a family member or a neighbor rather than just a chocolate bar. You bring up such a great point too. It's like when the brand actually has a cool and unique story and they amplify that and they're the best storyteller, it becomes so easy to work with influencers to just simply amplify what you're already doing, right? Yes. Like you don't have to conjure something on your own where you have to like get them to say a certain X, Y, or Z, but they're already living and breathing it. You just got to put the product into their hands. Yeah, like you just need to be authentic and authenticity will strike as relatability to a lot of people, whether it's working with influencers or, you know, acquiring new customers, let's call it, or building new fans. I think authenticity is the most important asset that any brand can have. I think of like the gym sharks of the world, you know, like Ben Francis's story where he like went to like a fitness event and he just started getting his product to as many fitness YouTubers back in the day. What I would say is what we call influencer seeding. It's just sending out free product, no strings attached. We just wanted to put the product in your hands. Like Gymshark was like known for that. They just sent out their product and they exploded off the backs of that. So like in this case, it would be, in, you know, retailers, you'd be like sending your product to the Whole Foods reps of the world or anything like that. But whether it be influencers, retailers, like what was kind of like that first initiation to really get people aware of midday squares? So two things. So we definitely sent product to people, you know, that wanted to try it. So we found people that love chocolate, darker chocolate, and we'd send it to them and no strings attached. It definitely worked. It built hype. It built noise. I think the most important thing we did was the beginning was we actually had a 25 cent sample. So if you went on our website, you could get a sample by just paying 25 cents for this bar that was at the time four bucks. It would be delivered to you for 25 cents. You got a premium chocolate bar. And you also got a handwritten note in that package. And what that did was we at least got people that were willing to commit because they had to put their credit card down, right? So that kind yeah. of opted us into customers that were curious and committed and not just freeloaders. 
And that started to get people, well, hey, I like this chocolate bar, tastes delicious. They also wrote a handwritten note with a customized picture of the three founders showing this personality. And then I, you'd go follow us on social and you'd see that there's these authentic people showing everything on the table. I love this hustle. So you'd get hit at all these angles. And what it would do is it would create this natural user-generated content that would go after. And this is in 2018, 2019. And that started to work really well. And then influencers would naturally see our product through their friends and through their, just like naturally in their retailers. And they'd be like, sure. hey, this brand's cool. I want to work with them. So when they would reach out, we would actually have an upper hand on how we work together. It was more of a, hey, let's collaborate. Yes, contractually, mm -hmm. but let's collaborate. I'll do a lot more than I would necessarily with a brand I have no idea about. So we got them to fall in love with the authenticity and the journey before they started to work with us. So what percentage of the influencers that you work with is inbound versus outbound? I'd say 50-50. And what you're just describing was like entirely inbound, like people, which is usually 50-50 is out say, hi, I don't know how any data on this, but a lot of brands are doing majority, probably I would say 80-20 in terms of like outbound versus inbound because they're wanting influencers to talk to their story, which goes to show you like the power of what you guys are doing. When you say influencer marketing, do you have a ballpark estimation of what percentage of your marketing budget you spend on influencers? I'd say it's between about 30 to 45%. We were spending about $30,000 a month on influencers. That being said, we actually want to increase that because we're seeing a lot of success from the influencers because the way we approach it is not just D2C, it's actually to push our retailers. Yeah. The influencers are focused on giving the story about the brand, like telling them why they actually work with us or why they fell in love with the company. So like the idea of, I love this brand because they're real, they're human, they're authentic, the product's unbelievable, but most importantly, I feel part of the brand. And then they're mm -hmm. pushing people to the stores. So they're actually going into retailers, showing where the product is. Because our product's in the refrigerated section, where it's not a typical location where a bar would be, they're actually educating the world on where Midday Squares is located. We're working with these amazing people to educate our fans and our consumers or new consumers how to find our product and where to get it. That's really the focus and it's working. It's like pushing a ton of volume at retail. So I would compare that to your unboxing experience, right? Like what I say a lot of times about an unboxing experience when brands kind of miss the importance of that is you're missing giving your potential customers a preview of what they could receive in the mail. And you're basically, you guys are doing the same thing. When I walk into a store, I want to see like, oh, this is where I actually interact with Midday Squares at Whole Foods in the refrigerator section, which is awesome. So when you say 30,000 on Influencer, is that all straight up like retail activations? Hey, we're going to pay you XYZ, produce this content, like break that down. Like what does that actually get spent on? First off, we usually ask the influencer how they like to work um, to understand them and what's authentic to them. And then we basically mold on what's authentic to us. So we kind of compromise and figure out where that basis is. The first thing is not just a one-time thing. It's usually contractual over time. So it's not just a okay. let's do one post. It's like, oh, let's work maybe three months together um, and build okay. this relationship because it's a lot of the time just stories on social media, you know, naturally like in their lifestyle, what they're doing when they're going shopping, like pick up the camera and talk about the brand when you find the product and show where it is. So that's how we break it down. And then there's a lot of inbound of, you know, free influencer work. Naturally, we're getting our products getting picked up at store and people are like, oh, I like this brand. Sponsor yeah. me. They, they want to work with us so badly. So they talk about the product. They naturally do it. And that pushes a lot of product and, and revenue for us as well. And yeah, I would say that like, it's a great way of obtaining new customers that are personally attached to the brand because they're personally attached to these influencers, which then they're personally attached to us through them, which is important. How do you view the ROI of influencer 
this is such a convoluted question because people have differing opinions, but I guess for the dollar for dollar, like we need to track dollars, like, okay, you're spending 30K, what's the actual ROI on that 30K? How would you respond to that person listening right now? We basically see if when you did the content, did we get an uplift at our retail over a month or two months or whatever it was? And so it's not a full like basis on direct, you know, data tracking. There's an increase compared to last year or the month prior or something like that. So we kind of do that and it, it usually works. Like we see the difference. In those activations, do you guys also see an uptick in your D2C? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both. Sometimes we'll focus specifically just on D2C for it. So using a code or something along those lines. But a lot of the time it's focused on the retail push because we're growing so much at retail. When I hear your 30K of, you know, several month contracted influencers, do you guys use the word ambassador? Is it your affiliate network? Like, are you guys tapping into on the affiliate, like where they make a commission off of what they drive organically? We had a huge affiliate network and we'd like to get it back one day, but we had like so many amazing you know, family members, let's call, you know, promoting the brand and they're making some commission. But then we actually had to shut our D2C down a couple months ago due to shipping for like three months. And then when we shut that off, everything got disorganized with that brand affiliate because the mm. codes had to be shut off. Everything had to just like, it was a bit of a disaster. So we're still short staff. We're trying to get that back because we need someone to manage that. It takes one person to manage that whole thing. And we're not there yet. So we're trying to get that back. But that was driving a good amount of revenue and it was costing a good amount because it's a lot of free product, right? Um, going right. out, shipping that kind of product across the nation, you know, in the United States and Canada, it was costing an arm and a leg. So now we're just working our freight prices. We're working on getting someone to manage that. Once that's back, that will be a nice 20%. You know, it was a lot in terms of revenue from our D2C. It was driving a lot. Wow. What was the cause of your D2C shutting down? Logistics, uh, shipping refrigerated chocolate. It was too costly. It was costing us like mm. at one point, like 45 bucks to get a package to California. 50 bucks to Texas. It was like crazy. So we were just like, this is not feasible for one box, you know, like it was whack. I was looking at your ad library. I saw a lot of within meta ads, you're driving traffic to your site. So now D2C is back live, correct? Yes, when sir. We're currently talking. Are you also driving traffic to like a WholeFoods.com, a Walmart.com, anything like that? No, so we're driving traffic to our website to then get them on the store locator. They can buy the product too on the website. It's great. The store locator goes up, it gets active, which then makes them look for the retailers that they're looking for to find the product. So they'll see that's available at their local target. So instead of waiting maybe three days, business days or four business days to get their product, they're like, oh no, I'm going shopping there anyways. I'm going to look for the midday square now. So a lot of that meta advertisements, yes, it drives them back to our website and they will buy you to see on there. But a lot of the time they're actually going from there to the store locator. And then that upticks our retail sales because mm. I think, you know, we're getting thousands of people in that store locator a month. It's amazing. I want to go back to something that you said previously, where you guys at the beginning, you're reaching out to influencers. You're also reaching out to retailers, people that ordered, you'd send a customized photo of all three of you. And you still do. I was just going to ask, like, how is that scalable? Yeah, we originally took like Polaroid pictures, like literally selfies, and we'd change costumes. It was a whack process. And that was at the beginning. And then we took, it was taking <laughs> hours a day, hours. We'd do it like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. every day for an hour. And then what we did was we found a way to take pictures every month, like mass pictures, like we'd get a photo shoot and then we'd get it printed. And then my mom, because she's so amazing, she actually oh enjoys writing messages um, on the pictures. So she's written like over like 600,000 over the last five years. Holy moly. 
does it for free. Like we we tried to pay her in shares or something, and like she just doesn't want to touch it. <laughs> but like she does it for like two three hours a day, like for free. So like you know now she has a team with her doing it. It's the funny. It's actually the funniest thing in the world. But the truth being told is we still try to as much as possible be as humanized, even as we're scaling, because we find it's an important thing. But again, it's getting harder and harder, especially as we get bigger and bigger, to get the name on each letter or how do we do everything because eventually you do need to optimize this process. That is amazing. Man, we're running a true family business out here. We got the mom involved. This is like a family restaurant. That is great. So when you guys are working with influencers, like what's kind of like the approval process? Do you guys have like best tips and tricks in terms of like working with influencers that come to mind when people maybe have asked you? We just look for people that are real on their socials that use a lot of Instagram stories. So we like to do Instagram influencers. So that are active on their stories, they're sharing their life. Because we want to look at them as like the modern day shopping channel, right? That's what they've done. They've built their base to train them to purchase product, right? So we look for those ones that have trained their fans to trust what they're selling and don't hide it, that they're actually selling and they're sponsored and they're contractual in. So we look for those and we just go through tons of people till we find them. We watch them, we monitor. And then when the time's right, if it fits like personality-wise, we do it. Or we just engage with people we like and been following as actual fans that we're fans of. And we see if that works naturally in, in the set. So not everything is the same, actually. It's a lot of just gut feeling and watching and you know paying attention to the content's authenticity. Org chart-wise, who's actually managing this like 30K budget per month? My brother-in-law, he's managing too much right now, but he's running that department. He came from the ad tech world before. He's hired groups to deal with the actual influencers and meta and the meta ads yeah. and stuff like that. But he's managing at the high level here from an overall budget perspective and just approvals. But he hasn't been able to optimize it. That's where he wants to go after. But basically, long story short, he's filled in for head of sales right now. So he's taken his eye off the ball for that. But when he's on his game with that, that stuff flies. Like it crushes, but it's not a priority right now due to the fact that we need operational excellent priority first in terms of the manufacturing. Once the time's back and he's ready, he really crushes that space because that's his background. His background is influencer or just in general? Oh, it's the ad tech world. Like he based the workings with how to work with, you know, people in a fun way that's different. Yeah, he loves that though. Like that's really his passion. He has a big good passion in that. My last question for you, what would be your advice brands want to work with influencers? Just be real. Like tell a good story and like influencers will find brands and have a honestly, if you don't have a good product, then forget about the whole journey, to be honest with you, because it ain't gonna go anywhere. So Preach, brother. given that you have a good product. Tell a great story because the stories will attract people to want to work with you. They'll attract people that want to actually be associated, that want to give you 150% of their time, energy. And don't be afraid to pay people. Like this is an agreement, right? So like a brand should pay the influencer and the influencer will deliver. Like we have investors that are influencers in our company and we still pay them to do their job because we want to reward them for their work. It's important that, right? So mm-hmm. just like you get rewarded for people to buy your chocolates, it's the same thing for them to be rewarded by, you know, creating content that is for their audience to promote something that they truly believe in. So again, be authentic, tell a story and don't be afraid to pay people like this is people's livelihoods. Like, you know, that's true, especially in platforms like F you pay me that, that are yeah. existing today more and more. So you, wow. you don't want to bet F on that one. Random question. Are you guys still doing video customer service? 
I took a month off. Um, I was doing this like every day. I love it. I find it something powerful to get that one-on-one time with the consumer on Instagram and like LinkedIn and Facebook. Well, LinkedIn was voice notes, I think. But um, yeah, I'm going to get back into it. It just takes a lot of time. It's an hour and a half a day, every day, 50 to 100 videos. And I just wow. custom messages. And that's what makes this brand special is we that's humanize totally. care. We show love. Like, not just like, thank you for supporting us. It's like, no, we fucking love you. You know, like we'll get back at it, but it was something that was put on pause for the last month. For the CEOs and founders and brand owners that are listening to this and you're a, a $2 million brand, you have time to reach out to one influencer. You have time to answer customer service. You have time to care about your brand and you have time to build out a system to optimize it as well. We can't do everything. So I think a lot of brand owners feel time constraint already, whether you're 2 million or 20 million or 50 million. So yep. it's just all varying degrees. Well, Jake, man, where can people find you if they want to connect or, you know, hit you on a FaceTime? Add me on LinkedIn, Jake Carls. Happy to engage. Just DM me. Um, follow Midday Squares on TikTok and Instagram. It's a fun journey. It's really a lot of drama and excitement and building a business. And then last but not least, if you want to find our product, go to, you know, Whole Foods, Target, Sprouts, Check the refrigerator section. There's a lot of other stores. You can go on our website to see the rest or buy our stuff on our website, www.middaysquares.com. Hope you enjoy our chocolate and connect with me. Product's awesome. Jake, appreciate the time. Cody, appreciate you. All right, that's all for today. If you'd like some help developing your influence marketing campaign, go ahead and DM us on Twitter. Links are in the description. Or you can head to kinship.co to learn more and you can book a call there. That's K-Y-N-S-H-I-P dot C-O. At kinship.co, you also find tools, templates, and resources all designed to help you grow an influencer campaign that drives visibility and sales, not just likes. Thanks for tuning in as always, and we'll see you next week.